Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Walters Wanderings Travel Podcast. I'm Scott Walters. I'll be joined by my guest in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about my current special, and that is last-minute getaways. With holiday weekends coming and such like that, you might not have made a plan to go away, but there are several places you can go that are safe, especially if uh, we keep you in the state you live in or adjacent states. Usually we have these bubbles around that actually work. There's some great things going on up at Lake George in New York. Um, You can always uh, visit uh, historical places like Philadelphia, uh, Pittsburgh, Boston from New York and go to those kind of places. Um, You can even take a little off-season time at uh, Cape May or somewhere like that. So get in touch to go away. We have special offerings on all kinds of things. But uh, right now I want to bring in my friend, Jason Tomes. Here he comes. Ta-da, here he is, all the way from North Dakota. Hello, Jason. How are you today? I'm not hearing you, Scott. You're not hearing me? Turn me me up. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you fine. Somehow you have to turn me up, I suppose. The frailties of technology. There we go. I have, All right. I was trying to use uh, my mic that I have in my office, but it wouldn't let me hear you again. So now there we go. So we're all good. All right. So now, Jason, tell us what you're doing right now, and uh, and, uh, and then we'll get back into your background um, so that we can talk about uh, travel-related things that have happened in your life that are uh, interesting, humorous, or maybe even just mundane and boring. That's right. Well, I'm the director of choral activities now at Bismarck State College in Bismarck, North Dakota. And uh, I also direct a uh, community chamber ensemble, chamber choral ensemble called the the Dakota Pro Musica. And I also do a radio show here in North Dakota about choral music in North Dakota, which is called Dakota Sings. So I have a variety of of things that I am involved with. And... uh, I've I've been doing choral choral music and uh, choral directing for over 25 years, so it's uh, definitely part of what I do. It's it's a vocation. It's not just a job. Yeah, definitely. I don't, I don't think I could do almost anything else at this point. So, <laughs> well, I understand how that goes sometimes. So, but you've also done singing performances. You've gone and done solo things, and you've done opera things, and you've done choral solo work and all that kind of stuff so what what like is the most interesting place you've ever sung at um based on shall we say history acoustics or whatever you know you want to go ahead whatever criteria you want to put on it yeah that's a good question well i mean i've I've traveled all, all over the place uh i've been to australia and new zealand i've been to the marshall islands I've been to Hawaii. I've been to most a lot of uh, the European countries: uh, Portugal, Spain, France, Italy, Germany. Uh, uh, I lived in Scotland for a while. I've been in England. All these things were done uh, through music, through being connected to music. So, most interesting place, probably the most interesting place, uh, just kind of unique that's always in my memory is the Marshall Islands which is pretty much in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And uh, when you, you fly from uh, Los Angeles to Hawaii and you're, you fly there for what, five hours to get to Hawaii. And then you get on a smaller plane and you drive for five hours 
or fly for flat five hours straight out into the middle of the ocean and you don't ever see another piece of land and as you're landing in the marshall islands uh which are atolls so they're they're kind of you know maybe full circles or or maybe like a letter c they're just uh uh like wreaths uh, uh, that are above the above the water and they've built land or built cities on that and i was in majuro and as you're landing and on majuro uh the plane's going down 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 and you look out both sides of the airplane and all you see is ocean and then suddenly the wheels ah. hit because ah. the the island is only as wide as uh at that point as the uh landing strip so uh, that 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 was a little crazy, and not for the faint of heart. No, no. It, but, but then also, the Marshall Islands is is about as a third world country as you would have ever imagined uh, being in. Uh, I, I was teaching a, a co-teaching a class there on how to teach uh, teachers in the Marshall Islands to use music in their elementary school classrooms, and uh, many of these folks came from other islands in the Marshall Islands, and they came in uh, a boat that we would have just considered a boat that we would maybe use on vacation, uh, you know, from a, a marina that we would just go out and with one little motor in the back and we would, you know, drive out for a mile and go fish for a while and come back home. They were riding that for six, seven, eight hours overnight to go from one island through the ocean to Majuro. Uh, on a regular uh, motorboat. So, uh, and the majority of the population in, in the Marshall Islands, uh, 70, 75% of the population of the island is under 18 because the, the, that was also Bikini Island is probably, we all heard of Bikini Island, maybe from, uh, you know, SpongeBob, but it's also where America tested nuclear bombs and uh, Bikini Island is part of the Marshall Island system and you can't even go on it anymore. Uh, and a number of years ago, uh, in the fifties and, and I believe it was in the fifties, they tested some, uh, nuclear bomb there and they were told to, to not, not test the bomb that day because the winds were changing and they did anyway, the Americans and the fallout landed on Majuro and some of the other islands and ended up killing the majority of their population. So there's very few elders left uh, on in in those islands. It's mostly young folks and children, and and you'll often see just the streets filled with chickens and children. Uh, it's 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 a, a very different place, and it makes you uh, realize that uh, the world is very different when you uh, leave the confines of the kind of civilized Western world. There's suddenly a very different world out there. And the Marshall Islands, I think, is still a U.S. protectorate. So we, we yeah. actually sort of run the place administratively. Right. You know, you know we're, we're, we're part of, we, we oversee the Marshall Islands. And, uh, and in fact, if you go to Springdale, Arkansas, which is near Fayetteville, uh, they have the largest Marshallese population uh, on the mainland of America. And lots of folks in the Marshall Islands would always talk about how much they were, wanted to move to Arkansas. Uh, so kind of interesting. Well, there you go. That's a, that's pretty interesting stuff, um, no doubt. Yeah. So now, in, in all of your travels, um, you, obviously flying into the Marshall Islands is is pretty uh, harrowing. My, my my wife certainly would not ever want to fly into the Marshall Islands. I can assure you. Um, 
do you have an interesting travel story, say, to get to a, a, a singing job or to, you know, get from a singing job where you ever like stranded in a blizzard or, or, you know, anything like that? I've been pretty lucky with, with that kind of stuff. I, I, I tend to uh, want to make sure I'm, I think about pretty in depth about what I'm doing. Uh, the, probably the most crazy uh, time we've ever had was actually, I was on choir tour with my choir from New York and we did a, a tour of the West coast. And so we uh, had about 20, almost 30 of us on that tour. And we flew into Las Vegas and uh, we got a tour bus there in Las Vegas. And we went down to uh, Phoenix, over to San Diego, all the way up to Seattle, over to Missoula, Montana. Wow. And all the way back down to Vegas over about two and a half weeks, giving a concert every night. We got to see the desert and you know the tropical zones of like san diego and the redwood forests of of uh north of san francisco we got to see the petrified forests of eastern washington state and the almost moonscape of idaho and so after two and a half weeks with 30 college students we uh had a free day in vegas and oh boy i said to the students say just be alive uh when when we meet for the bus and so we we went to the airport with the 30 students and our our flight was canceled and we saw all 30 of us as we're sitting there one of our students needed a med needed medication he had put it in his 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 checked bag oh no and so he passed out while we were sitting in the in the airport because we were stuck in vegas for about 10 hours Finally, we were put on a flight and it got us into Chicago Midway, not even O'Hare, Chicago Midway at about uh, one in the morning. Oh, boy. And but then had, there's no yeah. flight from Chicago Midway at one in the morning. We all slept on the floor and on chairs until, uh, you know, five, five thirty in the morning. I think no one would ever look more desperate than 30 students standing outside the McDonald's waiting for it to open in the Midway, uh, you know, terminal <laughs> but fi finally we made it home but even that flight was delayed again so that that was probably the most annoying part is just because i was in charge of 30 other people and you ended up having to spend the night sitting in a chair in midway which not quite the way you want to do that no 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 those and those air those uh, airport chairs are never comfortable and and the armrests don't move no. So you're, you're, you're just in a bad way. Unless, unless you're like a small child, you can slide underneath, you know, and there definitely were a few students, you know, college age students who could just, you know, put their legs in Indian style and put their head down on their lap and sit in a chair and be asleep for the whole night. But uh, my body type is not that. No, so. I hear you. I, I represent that remark. So I understand that. So now, how many of these choir tours did you do with with the, with that with the college in New York and the, and where did you go? Well, we I think we did fifteen tours uh, across uh, twelve years that I was touring with the choir. So many many years, maybe maybe it was actually even more than that. But pretty much every other year, we would go on two tours: one during spring break and one in May, uh, and then the next year we would just do one tour. And these are all tours that churches uh, hosted us. Uh, they would, we would do fundraising at the churches. 
And many of those years, we actually made back all the money that we would have spent on a, a tour bus. Uh, and if we had to fly somewhere, then that that cost was on the students to fly there. But we, we were able to do that pretty cheaply because we, uh, you know, did, did it well in advance. Let's just put it that way. So we were always prepared. And I think that's one of the most important things I, I've realized from all my touring is I would often know 15 months ahead every place I would be going in 15 months. So it, that helped me definitely be better at, uh, you know, planning for the distances or, or concerns that I might have. And even if we had uh, a, some travel delays, we only only twice were we ever late for a concert out of 15 tours. And most of those tours were uh, between 10 and 18 concerts. So that, that, that's a good record. Yeah, that's 150 to 200 and something concerts. Uh, and we went to 49 states. The only state we didn't do on tour was Alaska. And uh, so I've been to every of the lower 48 states with the choir. We've been to both uh, uh, Quebec and we were in Quebec and we were also in Ontario uh, in Canada as part of those tours. And uh, we also went to Germany on one tour and there for two weeks. And then the Hawaii trip, that was just with my chamber choir. We, we were only on Oahu for, for a whole week. Every night we did a concert. Every day we were at the beach. <laughs> that's, not a bad, that's not a bad way to do it. No, no. not at all. Just, you know, sand ch sound checking your flip-flops, I suppose, you know? <laughs> yeah, just make sure you're wearing suntan lotion at that point because you're probably uh, not used to the sun. No, it, it is a more direct It is a more direct thing. There is no doubt when you get there. So um, now when you were growing up, did your family take any memorable vacations that you remember? Or was it just kind of the boring, mundane stuff like I was subjected to when I was a kid? Oh, yeah, we did lots of boring stuff. I mean, the thing is, my, we had one grandmother who lived in uh, Colorado, Fort Collins, Colorado. And many summers, we would spend three days driving from somewhere. I, 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 most of the time, I remember driving from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, because I, I was born in Pittsburgh and my, lots of family there. So we would spend three days driving to Colorado and be out there for a couple of weeks and then spend three, week, three days driving back. And my parents didn't believe in uh, air conditioning uh, or a car with automatic transmission or anything like that. So, you know, it was mostly the windows rolled down in the old Nissan Sentra, uh, seeing the hundreds of miles of I-80 go by in Nebraska, which you kind of like, oh, that's, you know, there's nothing exciting in Nebraska on, on I-80. So no, it's it's pretty flat and level. Unless you see a tornado in the distance, you're not right. going to have very much fun. But probably instead of vacations, we we actually my father was a teacher and he actually applied for a, a variety of fellowships that we got. And we lived in Scotland for a year when I was a kid in seventh grade, and uh, he had a teacher exchange, a Fulbright teacher exchange. And so when we were in Scotland, that was quite neat. We actually we're in Scotland for about 300 days, and we spent 40 of those traveling all over Scotland, Wales, and England. Uh, well, that's nice. Yeah, so, you know, we were up at Loch Ness for a week at a, a camp that my father was taking some students from the high school he was teaching at up there. So our whole family went up to Loch Ness, and, that, that, you know, there's definitely a lot of fun with that. And we also lived in New York City for a year when I was a kid, third grade. 
because my father had a fellowship at Columbia University. So uh, I definitely lived in a lot of places. We moved around a lot when I was a kid. Uh, we, I lived in, in uh, Pittsburgh, in Colorado, in Rochester, back in Pittsburgh, in Toledo. We lived in Scotland, in Toledo, lived in Chicago. So we, we lived, lived in a variety of places. And to me, the, the most important part of traveling is to realize that the world is, is larger than our own views and, and uh, our own experiences. And there's a lot of people who experience lots of different things. And that we ha that's one, I think, part of how I've grown up to understand that I need to be uh, understanding and tolerant of things that I maybe would not have ever thought about in living in New York or Pittsburgh or Chicago. No, I, I think I think the authentic experiential travel experience is really important. And obviously living in different places will open your eyes, there's no doubt. Even even when I spent one summer studying in Italy, you know, it was an entirely different uh, it was an entirely different lifestyle. It was an entirely different, you know, it was a whole different thing to live there and then watch the people and, and observe and then you know learn the language and all of that. So I definitely understand that. Yeah. So that's that's it's true though, and 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 the thing is, uh, I, I think a more authentic travel experience is always one that, that you can cherish and, and and have memories of more than than say if you go to some sterile place that you might be used to. Mm -hmm. and, you know, yeah. And, and and listen, as as nice as those places are, sometimes you still have to open the boundaries a little bit and push right. that envelope. Well, I think an important part for me has been a lot of times I've been on, these, especially when I was on choir tours, I was taking, you know, college students with me uh, who who had many times uh, the students who were from my college in New York had never been outside uh, the tri-state area. Uh, I remember I, we would always stay in host families on our, our trips, but I was at one of the first nights of tour one one year, I remember. I was in a host family and a couple other students were also there because there was a nice big house. And uh, the, the host father said to one of our students, oh, so where, where have you lived? Where are you from? And he's like, I'm from New York. He's like, oh, well, where have you lived in New York? He's like, oh, I've lived all over the place. He's like, oh, really, where? He's like, I've lived in Manhattan and the Bronx and Queens and Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> no, that doesn't quite qualify for all over New York. I mean, he hasn't even gotten out to, you know, to the Nassau-Suffolk County border, you know? Yeah, he, well, and that was the thing. The, the host dad was, that's New York City. And he's like, oh. But that, that, was, that was that student's entire life had been in, in that, in New York City. Right. So he uh, Over four years of being in choir with me, that student actually explored about 25 different states. And... Uh, I have a lot of students who connect back with me on Facebook or uh, talk with me. Uh, and they say, you know, uh, when these little surveys come up on Facebook and it says, you know, what states have you been in or where, where have you gone? They say, you know, 90% of those is because I was in choir. And it, it's just really neat because when I would plan a tour, I would always make sure that we had um, some kind of educational purpose or we had some way to connect to where we were going. So this is probably comes from my father. When we went to Scotland, uh, before we moved to Scotland, I was required to memorize Scottish poetry, uh, know about Scottish foods so that I could identify them. I would have to know the different types of folk dancing, uh, strathspeels and, and, and all these different things. And, uh, I had to learn some songs and, uh, 
you know, I, I've taken that with me almost everywhere I've ever gone. It's, it, if I'm going to go somewhere, I want to learn something about where I'm going first so that I can try to, for myself, experience an authentic uh, experience there. So, you know, know a food that I need to try or, or know a restaurant uh, or place that uh, is famous that you can't miss, you know. So, for instance, we went to New Orleans a number of years ago on tour. And all we had in New Orleans was about six hours on this choir tour. But I had done a, a whole bunch of research about all the different foods. And so I said to students, I say, hey, you can go off on your own. But if you want to walk with me, I'll take you and we will eat every food that you have to eat in New Orleans. And uh, so we walked around the French Quarter as a group of about eight students and myself. And in each location, uh, a different student bought the item that we were going to have. And we broke it into eight pieces and we all tasted it. And we went to the next door, uh, the next location. And, and we just walked around the town for, for four hours, five hours, eating all the foods that you should eat in New Orleans and, and talking a bit about the jazz musicians that were on the street and things like that. So uh, I, I remember that wholeheartedly. I can remember eating muffalettas and, and po'boys and jambalaya and all these different things in New Orleans. And, uh, you know, that, that's a neat way of traveling, traveling when you're thinking about what am I what can I experience here that I can bring back and remember? Uh, I'm not very good at, at going on a vacation where I sit at the beach for five days. I'm, I'm kind of a person that goes on a vacation. I want to learn something or see something that I need to see. Uh, and so that that's kind of my mindset when I was on choir tour with the choir or even on my own. No, I understand. Do it. I think doing sometimes is better. There are times you just need to relax and chill and have the fruity drink with the umbrella in it. Yeah. But there are other times, you know, that you should be, you know, more, like I say, more authentic and, and experiential and all this. Yeah. Well, it's really fascinating stuff. I, I, uh, I think uh, we've learned a lot uh, from you. Um, just to, if you want to plug that radio show one more time, because I know it's on the interwebs. Yeah. You know, go ahead and, and let people know about that. Well, it's called Dakota Sings. And it happens, uh, there's a Facebook page, Dakota Sings Facebook page, where anytime a new episode is going to come up, uh, this is the episodes are actually on Prairie Public Radio, which is the public radio station of North Dakota. And so we have two episodes that have already happened, but you can go and check out the, uh, the, uh, the link to YouTube where, where the whole show is at. And I'll have four more shows coming up this spring. Uh, that mostly focus on North Dakota choirs or, or composers. But I have a show coming up uh, at the end of January, which is going to focus on the Grammy-nominated choir albums from this year, because one of the albums, the uh, Kostolsky Requiem, uh, let's see if I can show that to you, the Kostolsky Requiem uh, is Grammy-nominated, and I was, I, I was one of the singers in the choir on that. So it's kind of exciting to think, that at least at the moment I'm Grammy nominated and there's a lot of hope for the CD to maybe win the Grammy for best choral performance this year. So uh, there, we'll be doing a show all about the Grammy nominated choral programs coming up shortly. Well, you know, not knowing the Grammy committee, you never know. I mean, they, they, they did, they did vote. To, um, they, they, they have voted some weird things in the past. Um, the, the, the first, uh, I think the first heavy metal band was uh, Jethro Tull. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, but it's also interesting that the, the groups that don't get in. There's there's a group called Capella Romana based out of Portland, 
and they have the number one selling choral CD in uh, the Billboard charts this entire year. And uh, they're not nominated. And guess what? It's not even like it's that mass hysteria pop music. So you yeah. think that the the more you know, the, you think something like that might get a little bit more you know support from these uh, Grammy type people. But again, you just yeah. Well, the, the interesting part is they did a little episode about the, the uh, Capella Romana CD on NPR, and it was reported at the end of 2020 that it was the single most listened to uh, uh, spot that they had on NPR the entire year was this on about this choir CD. And it also then that CD then became the number one selling choral CD in the world, more or less. And... Uh, and they weren't Grammy, Grammy nominated, so. <laughs> yeah, like I said, you can never, you can, ne you can never figure out how, how people do things sometimes. Right, right. Well, well it's great to see you, Scott. I, I'm glad that you're uh, putting this together. It's, I think, traveling is really important for us to be able to both re relax and enjoy, but also learn more about the world around us. And I think. It's and when the dust settles, I'm sure travel will be back with a vengeance. I'm sure everyone will be uh, chafing at the bit to go out and uh, do something. You know. Yes. Yes, definitely. I, I I look forward to that possibility because I have lots of friends all over the place in, in Europe and and uh, all across the country, and it it hurts to not be able to go see anybody at this point. So I understand that. I'm with you there. Yeah. Well, listen, Jason Tomes, thank you so much for being on board today. Again, this is the Walters Wanderings Travel Podcast. We'll see you next time for another edition. All right, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs>